Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside... Connor Balthazar. And welcome to this week's weekly recap, even though it's really going to be about two sports, women's basketball and men's basketball. But before we get into either of those, just the quick announcement of the volleyball matchups, which one will be occurring against Iowa State in Ames at 6.30 tonight, the recording of the episode at least, and then once more at 1 p.m. on Saturday, again in Ames against Iowa State. So go support the Volley Cats, at least in watching them, I mean, because they don't have too many games left, and they're still in the middle of a really solid season. Yeah, right now they, I believe they're fifth in the Big 12 volleyball standings. They do have Texas left on the schedule, so opportunity for um, just making a splash, just if they can steal a game down there somehow. But then also Iowa State, that's winnable, and KU, that's also winnable, so they should be able to end the season on a higher note, hopefully somewhere in the 4-2 and two range, I would imagine, is probably what we can look for, 4-2, and 3-3. and three. So uh, hopefully they can win out a little bit here down the stretch, maybe make a tournament push. So, and support the Volley Cats. Yep. Now we can get into the actual parts where we're going to be recapping something instead of just announcing that it exists. We're going to be looking, firstly, at women's basketball, or as it will probably be known, it was, because that's what it was, at least the game that we're going over, the Ioka Lee show against Central Arkansas, because, um... Yeah, I'm not sure if you heard. This is just the top story for it. Ioka Lee dropped 43 against Central Arkansas. Yeah, that's a K-State record for regular season for women's basketball. She did it in the first game of the year. So, I mean, and also what, what's even crazier, this is kind of a side tangent, but it wasn't even the best like perf- like performance like point spread-wise of the night. Texas beat New Orleans. It was, Excuse me. bless you, it was... Texas beat New Orleans 131 to like 36 or something like that. They had the decency to not beat them by 100, but it was pretty close. So, but yeah, Ioka Lee was absolutely incredible. Uh, granted, part of that is that she is six foot six, and the tallest player Central Arkansas had is six foot two. And also, Ioka Lee is just really good, like beside her height. And you can't even hack a shacker because she went to the free throw line 12 times. She made nine of them. So. Like, he can't even like, just send her to the line on purpose. She went 17-25 to 25 from the field, 43 points, as we said, 9 rebounds. And she also had 3 assists as well. I'm not sure how she found time for that. To go with 4 blocks and 3 steals. So, she did a little bit of everything, but a lot of one thing. So, I mean, she was absolutely excellent. There's really no way around it. Oh, she had 0 turnovers as well. Yes. One of the most efficient performances I've ever seen. And, okay, so we've had a lot of really excellent single-game performances this year from various K-State athletes. Felix and Yudikia Uzama had his. Uh, Deuce has had his games. And now we have Aoka Lee out here just dropping 43 and being ruthlessly efficient. And keep in mind, she scored 43 points in 24 minutes that's, of that's game even, action. That's not even leading the team for most minutes this game. She yeah. just dropped 43 casually. That is concerningly approaching a bucket a minute. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's really close. So I there was just clearly no answer. I wasn't able to watch a majority of this game, but I did get to listen to a little bit of it uh, because I was driving a little while this was happening. 
but also I don't want this to take away from some of the other performances that happened in this game. I mean, it's kind of hard to not have it take away from them. Yeah. But there were other performances in this game that actually were really admirable. Uh, Serena Sundell, she didn't have the best shooting night. She was one of five from the field, one of four from three. Uh, she played 28 minutes, but she had nine assists as a true freshman in her first ever regular season start. Uh, nine assists, I believe, is the program record uh, for assists in a first appearance in a Wildcat uniform for women's basketball. And that's nine assists to just one turnover. That nine-to-one ratio, we take those. And then she had three rebounds and two steals to go with it. So she only had three points, but she was dealing uh, she was dealing the ball. So she was doing really well there. And then Jalen Glenn, another true freshman, started uh, three of four from the field, two of two from three, four assists, no turnovers, one steal, uh, eight points. Again, true freshman, you can't really ask for much more than that. She did play 28 minutes. And, I mean, when Aoka Lee is scoring 43, you don't need people to score that much. Yeah. So, uh, the other leading scorer was uh, Emily Ebert. She scored 16 points in 18 minutes, uh, 5 of 6 from the field, 2 of 2 from 3, 4 of 4 from the free throw line, 4 rebounds, uh, 3 assists, no turnovers, 1 block, 1 steal. And that's actually that's an excellent stat line. Yeah. Like, that that's an incredible stat line. She only missed one shot. She made both her threes perfect from the foul line. Three assists, no turnovers, four rebounds to go with a block and a steal. That's excellent. If it's NBA 2K, she gets an A T grade. She gets an A team grade. <laughs> but then you have Aoka Lee. So again, it just all these great performances are just being overshadowed. Then you have Rebecca Dallinger. I believe she's also a true freshman. Uh, at the very least, she's a newcomer. Uh, she went four thirteen from the field, three of ten from three. So she was taking a lot of threes. She took the lion's share of the threes for the team. The team as a whole took twenty three three point attempts. She took ten of them. Uh, she ended up with only 11 points on those shots. Uh, she had one rebound, one assist to go with it. Uh, she is basically a pure shooter uh, at shooting guard, which, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, what but, do you expect? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then other than that, uh, you look around and you have a lot of just also pretty good performances. Jada Moore had seven rebounds. Taylor Lauterbach had eight point, or had five points and eight rebounds. Uh, so she was efficient in her time. Uh of filling in for Aoka Lee. Um, but other than that, everybody just played pretty solid. There's nobody that I look at and I say you had a consequentially bad game. Which, granted, it was a 63-point win. So <laughs> I don't think it's possible to have a consequentially bad, bad game. <laughs> Unless you were literally just yeah. basically playing for the other team. Yeah. I, I am looking at the other team. I don't know. I guess to be nice, I'll give him one shout out. Uh, Randria Wright at 17 points for Central Arkansas is almost half of their offensive output. Seven to 17 from the field, three rebounds, three assists. Like she tried. She by, by by God she tried. In 34 minutes, I'm assuming looking at her shot chart, she's a post player, so she had the distinct pleasure of guarding Ayoka Lee every <laughs> single time. So I'd say defense leaves a little to be desired, but if you're just short, if you're just not as big as Aoka Lee, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like Like, what can you do? Like it it can't be defense leaves a little to be desired because you simply cannot defend what is indefensible. So (laughs) stop the unstoppable. Yeah, but as a whole, the Cats shot 53.4% from the field, 34.8% from three, 70% from the free throw line. Uh, 56 points in the paint, 34 points off turnovers, 44 points off the bench. So the bench actually managed to outscore Aoka Lee by one. Um, 
Shout out to the bench. Good for the bench. Good for the bench. The entire bench. Um, other than that, like, I mean, Aoka Lee is the story of this game. Uh, I'm not really sure what else to say about it. Just complete and utter domination by Kansas State. The only other thing I can say is if you can get out to women's basketball games, because I don't think every game is going to be this dominant, but Ayoka Lee is going to have a good performance almost every game that she plays because she is just excellent. And we also, the big question with women's basketball was, will we have a point guard that can distribute the ball? Well, the true freshman had nine assists in her first start. So perhaps the answer to that question is yes. yes. So if that's the case, that completely changes all estimations for the women's team this year, I think. If we can have someone that can reliably distribute the ball, then everything changes, I think. Because last year, that was the single issue. And if you don't have a distributor, you're done for. Yeah. If we have that, this women's team goes from bottom three finish to probably a top five finish in the Big 12. And in a conference that includes Baylor and Texas and women's basketball, top five is pretty good. So, and they may even do better than that. And Aoka Lee is only a junior. So next year you might be looking at a title run uh, for the big 12. So basically we're winning everything. We're not losing a single game. The women are going 40 and 0 next year. And this year. And this year as well. They're off to a good start. So one and know every day. One and know every day. Win the dang day. Anyway, <laughs> I have nothing else to add for women's basketball. Do you have anything else that you wanted to say? I was there at the game for a little while, and this even though the stats kind of do tell a story, it does not quite tell the whole story of how how dominant Ioka Lee is. I just it it was seriously really it was like that meme where I. Uh, to, to equate it to football, you've seen the video. It was like, we made the Detroit Lions throw the ball, the football to Calvin Johnson every play, and like we tracked their results. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, it was basically that, and in motion. So, <laughs> I, it was just, I've never in my life, in just about any sport, seen a player just take over a game quite like she did. It... it, it... It's pretty crazy, and it's so much more apparent when someone takes over in a sport like basketball uh, than it is in any other sport because one person can realistically, air quotes, take over a game and basically single-handedly win Yeah, if they need to, but it takes a special player to do that, but Aoka Lee is a special player. So yep. there have been very few players to ever come through Kansas State that have been as dominant as Aoka Lee. Maybe no player as dominant as her. I'm not as knowledgeable on some of the further back history of women's basketball, but like some of the other names that come to mind are the Brittany Chambers, the Shaylee Lennings of the world, uh, Nicole Oldies uh, from the early 2000s. Like, but other than that, I mean, Aoka Lee, she's looking at getting her jersey in the rafters before she even graduates at this point. Yeah. Like, that's not even ironic. Like, they might just go ahead and do it at senior night for her because it's going to happen anyways. Yeah. So. So that's women's basketball covered, and now we get to talk about men's basketball. After the scrimmage that they had last week, we get to talk about them in their first official bit of action against Florida A&M. This was a victory for the Kansas State Basketcats and or Catsketball. 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 It's about Catsketball, baby. But 
it was a 67 to 57 victory in favor of the Catsketball. And uh, stats are as follows. I'll take the I'll take I'll take the bottom set there. So right. split after I'll take the how about you I'll take the starters. I'll take the starters. All right, so Nigel Pack, he had a banner day uh, yet again, as we've come to expect from him after a bit of a lackluster performance in the scrimmage. He came out with 18 points, 6 of 11 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3, 2 of 2 from free throws, uh, 3 rebounds to go with 3 assists to just 1 turnover and 2 steals. So Nigel Pack was back to being Nigel Pack, which granted his uh, exhibition against Pitt State, he had been fighting an injury. That was his first action in quite some time. Yeah. So it was kind of a get-right moment for him. And then he comes out against Florida A&M and has a trademark Nigel Pack performance. Hit a lot of threes, hit a few really deep threes as well, and generally looks good. Defense still will always leave a little bit to be desired because his lateral quickness is just not, like, it's not everything that you want out of a guard, but he did his part. Uh, then Mark Smith, he played the most minutes on the team, actually, as Ace pointed out before the episode to me. Uh, Mark Smith had 34 minutes, and he was then 4 of 10 from the field, uh, which sounds bad, but that's still 40%, so that's pretty good. Uh, 1 of 3 uh, from 3-point range, 3 of 6 on his free throw attempts, 6 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 turnover, good for 12 points for Mark Smith. Uh, he was good. I, I don't know how else to put it. He played well. Uh, he... Um, his three came very early in the game, as I recall, because I was kind of sort of watching it, <laughs> but also not, because I was a little busy at the time, but I was covertly watching. You were busy for about four hours. Probably. I was very busy. So <laughs> I, I naively thought I'd be able to make it to the game. I was very wrong. <laughs> and the Mark Smith had a good game. He also played a lot of good defense. Uh, he just looks very comfortable out on the floor. Is what I've been able to tell from him. He just looks very comfortable in Bruce Weber's scheme. Oddly comfortable, which granted that part of, part of that's just being a fifth-year senior. Uh, but he played good defense. Uh, he was effective offensively, although he did have a few misses that we'd like to get back, and that was kind of the theme for the night, was uh, easy misses that could have made this game uh, a lot better than it looked at the end. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the end of the day, a win is a win. But then we move on to Casey Eziegu. Uh, he played 18 minutes, only had two field goal attempts, but eight free throw attempts. And he went one of two from the field, five of eight on his free throws for seven points. Had five rebounds, three assists, no turnovers somehow, only two fouls as well. So he stayed out of foul trouble, didn't turn the ball over, but he also didn't have any blocks. And in fact, as the whole team, no blocks, no blocks, which is a little bit surprising and a bit concerning, but I'm sure that will come as the season goes. But Casey, he did get a few points here and there. He pulled down a few rebounds. But he also really did struggle offensively at times to get the ball up. He just really seemed to struggle with that for some reason, where he just wasn't quite able to get the ball up at the basket. Uh, he was being crashed down on pretty hard by uh, Florida A&M defensively. Yeah. Uh, whenever the ball got down to him. But, so... Maybe more to be desired from Casey, but not an all-time awful performance or anything like that from Casey. Then next we have Ishmael Masood. He's going by Ish at the uh, the games. The um, PA announcers uh, calling him Ish, so I guess I'll try and start doing that. But Ish Masood played 26 minutes, 
He went two of five from the field, one of three from three for five points. He didn't have any free throw attempts. Three rebounds, three fouls, no assists, and one turnover. So pretty pedestrian game from Ish, although he did play some really good defense throughout this game. And But other than that, not a ton of offensive production, but he did have a pretty nice-looking three as well as a uh, also really nice drive to the basket, really athletic drive for a six foot nine forward. Yeah. So it was really nice to see that. It was, I'm not comparing him to Dean Wade. I'm not saying he's as good as Dean Wade, but it was a Dean Wade esque play, something you they would have seen from him. First. Connor Balthazar said Ish Masood is Dean Wade. We are not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> He has a very similar play style to Dean Wade. He is not as good, but he does, he does play similar basketball to him. And also his three, again, he had a pretty early on three. He has a really nice-looking shot. It's an aesthetically pleasing shot, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like he, he has a really high release point. It's really smooth, really confident. Every shot that he takes, you it looks like it's going in. Is the best way to put it from what I can see. Yeah. Like, just the way it comes off of his hands. Like, he, he's just a very confident shooter. And I like that because what it tells me is that eventually we're just going to have an, an Ish Masood blow-up game where he just absolutely explodes for, like, like 25 or 30 or something like that. Yeah. So, I'm looking forward to that. And last starter, we have Mike McGurl. Uh, he was uh, perhaps the uh, sore spot of the night. Uh, he had 15 minutes played, 0 of 6 from the field, 0 of 3 from the three-point range, 3 of 4 at the free-throw line, so he only had three points. Uh, he had four rebounds, and committed two fouls, had one assist, and four turnovers, and then he had two steals. A pretty lackluster performance for Mike McGurl, uh, to put it lightly. Uh, there were times where he just straight up looked uncomfortable, on the court, I would say, which was really surprising. Uh, maybe still settling into the role of uh, not having to be the number one offensive option. So maybe still getting used to that. But regardless of the reason, uh, he was a net negative for the team last night. He There were drives that, like, like like on fast breaks, he just looked off. Yeah. Like that. that's the number one way that I would, I would describe the entire performance for McGurl was even though just the difference between this year and last year, it's still, I've never been ridiculously high on him, but even then it just seemed off, just like very strangely off. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. Just it's, his defense was okay. It it was mainly just his offensive production, his, his production on the offensive side of the floor was just really concerning for a fifth-year senior. Uh, it's just not what you want to see. Mike will always have the games where he gets his, where the threes are going in. But missed some easy ones, uh, missed a few wide-open threes. Uh, when your role on the team is a three-point specialist, you have to hit the open ones, especially the open corners. You have to make them. It's uh, We need more out of Mike. And there's a reason that he only got 15 minutes because somebody that came off the bench had a great day. Yeah, and that's where I come in because we get to talk about number three, Selton Miguel, who had 23 minutes, was four for six from the field, including two for two from three. He missed his one free throw. 
He did manage to have seven rebounds with two fouls, one assist, two turnovers, unfortunately, for a grand total of 10 points. And Selvin Miguel, this is going to be the person that I feel is going to get the table pounded for the most. It's just kind of unfortunate that he's in the same position as the uh, the super senior. Yeah. Because he did get more minutes than McGurl. Yeah, he did. But McGurl still started, and Miguel looked really good. And where McGurl looked really uncomfortable, Sultan looked just really natural in the game. That's the best way to describe him, I think, is... This year, it's not that he didn't. It's not that he looked unnatural last year, other than his shooting form. Maybe like he looked a, bit, a little bit uncomfortable as a shooting guard. This year, he looks very comfortable shooting the ball from range. Last year, anytime he had the ball, you just knew he was driving straight to the basket because he had no jump shot. But this one shot in particular was where he was like at the top of the key and he started to drive to his right as he always does because he can't <laughs> drive left. <laughs> so, so I've mastered that. And then he like put his foot in the court, stopped, and took a jump shot from about the free throw line straight on and drained it. And I was like, I don't think I've ever seen Sultan attempt that before. And if he can add that step back on the drive, his offensive game goes from like solid slasher to absolutely lethal. As and he had his threes as well. He looks comfortable from range. Yeah. And then also one more thing about Sultan. Uh, I remember seeing this. Uh, online uh somebody went through and calculated he scored all 10 of his points in a three-minute stretch and that was it <laughs> well he, if nothing else he was a spark plug so <laughs> refuses to elaborate maintains his position on the court <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that and of course per usual selton played excellent defense that's yeah. that's been his his uh calling card is defensive stopper so. yep now we get to talk about my favorite player. It, it's not changing. It, he's There's no way that this is going to change. Marquise Noel, who also had 23 minutes, was 2 for 5 from the field, 0 for 2 on his 3-point shots, 2 for 2 on his free throws, got 2 rebounds, 2 fouls, 6 assists, 2 turnovers for 6 points. And the <laughs> what I will take from Marquise Noel is he, I think he literally, we were talking about this before the episode, I think we flipped his assist to turnover ratio from the Pitt State scrimmage. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, I don't, I didn't bother to actually check, but <laughs> but it sounds right that he went from a six assist, uh, or six turnovers and two assists to completely flip it, which is exactly what we need from Marquise Noel. Yeah. I mean, just to come off the bench, uh, basically be the, the spell for Nigel Pack, uh, give him a rest, and just come in, make some high-energy plays, some high-energy shots, take those, and then also just like be an excellent distributor, which is exactly what he did. Yeah, and a uh, complete side note before we move on to, to the next player, there were times on the court where he was asked to defend A&M's number 25. A&M's number 25 is like literally double the height of him, so he was quite literally like at belly button level at midcourt, and it, it, he didn't stay that he didn't stay there for long. Like that wasn't his guy, thankfully. <laughs> but it, it's still really funny to think about because it was just what are you doing? And he was still getting after him. He didn't care. If nothing else, he is an absolutely tenacious defender. He plays with 
100% energy at all times. He, I believe we said it on the preview episode, he is the Reggie Stubblefield of K-State basketball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, that's an apt comparison, us, from the past. <laughs> Great work, past Connor, on that. <laughs> Next up was Davion Bradford, who we didn't expect to play. Yeah, I was a little surprised that he was on the floor. Yeah. But he managed to play and got 14 minutes, one for two from the field, didn't shoot any threes, one for two from the free throw line, three rebounds, one foul for a grand total of three points. And, I mean, he that's just, like, pedestrian day. I still think he's, like, kind of nursing, but... Yeah, he was fighting a sickness, so I'd imagine his conditioning just needs to recover a little bit more. Yeah, uh, He needs to recover from the illness a bit more. But he did more than I thought he was going to because I didn't think he was even going to play. Or if he did play, it was going to be like two minutes. Yeah, because ever tried running after uh, after having the flu? Yeah, no, it sucks. You don't do it. That's how you give yourself the flu again, but without the fever. Yeah. But yeah, Davion, he uh, definitely looked a little discombobulated at times on the floor from what I could tell. But yeah. then he also had uh, his one uh, shot that he made was really smooth. It was a great pass from, I believe, Noel, and he caught it in stride while he was driving to the bucket, and then uh, on his pivot foot when he caught the ball, turned, took one step, and put up a really smooth-looking layup. Yeah. If he can be 7 feet, 260, and do that, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, would be. Then the next person is Luke Kasuki. He was 1 for 3 from the field, 1 for 2 on his uh, three-point attempts. No rebounds, one foul, one steal for a grand total of three points. Not much to say. No. Yeah, I played a lot of defense. Uh, he finally made a three on a designed play for him, from what I could tell. Finally! <laughs> because he, last year, really struggled from three, and coming to K-State, that was supposed to be his specialty, his three-point shooting. But he finally put a three in the bucket, and that should be good for his confidence. And then he also had a steal. So Luke continued to be uh, decent defensively, a uh, good Havoc defender. Um, that's a bit of a football term, but yeah. uh, we'll translate it for our purposes. <laughs> I'll allow it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and he was all around okay. Uh, wasn't egregiously awful. He didn't score a lot, he didn't take a high volume of shots, so not the biggest deal in the world. Yeah. Then Logan Landers had two minutes. I don't even remember him being in the game. I remember him showing up. And then I looked up, and I looked back down, he was gone, and I never saw him again. <laughs> he, he recorded no stats, he played two minutes. I was very sad that he did not do more. But, I mean, this is probably what we should expect from Logan Landers for the most part. The exhibition was almost certainly... An aberration. And, yeah, that was uh, yeah, an aberration. Not to be expected every game. Although, he could be the fun guy at the end of the bench that gets in whenever we're absolutely demolishing another team which hopefully will happen. <laughs> It'll happen every game. And if you could get in like the end of the KU game or something, like it'd be absolute menace to society moment. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of a, well, I guess we'll, we'll talk about the, the number one thing that everyone's going to be talking about, including Bruce Weber after the, uh, after the game. And that's, uh, well, this, was a game that we very easily could have won by more than 10. There were a lot of like really easy 
points that were just left. Yeah, yeah there are some uh, botched fast breaks uh, that were really frustrating to watch. Uh, one was a, uh, I believe, a miss, a missed lob. And then another one was Mike McGurl just kind of messing it up. And then we also had some boneheaded turnovers. Like, we had a 10-second backcourt violation. Like, that's high school stuff. Like, like that's just a really stupid mental error. But if you're going to have one, it might as well be in the first game. Um, then a few shot clock violations as well. Um, and then also the first half, they shot absolutely atrociously from two. Uh, we did the math in the first half. They shot 20% from two but 42 percent from three so i'm i don't know what to make of that and then they also were good in the first half on free throws that did not carry over the second half but the second half they shot much better from the field 57 percent uh as a whole 37.5 percent from three that's a three of eight clip uh altogether for the game they shot 42 percent and 40.9 percent from three that's basically nigel pack's entire stat line from last year like for field goal percentage and the second half was definitely a lot better, especially when Sultan Miguel came in and said, fine, I'll do it myself and took <laughs> over the game. But they did leave a little to be desired, but it is reassuring that a lot of the errors were self-inflicted as opposed to Florida A&M just being this absolute powerhouse juggernaut. I mean, they, they did have the one guy just absolutely go off MJ Randolph. He had 27 points in 39 minutes, 10 to 17 from the field. Uh, he was just really good. Uh, but, I mean, I'm not super worried about it. This is going to be defense that will come together. Bruce Weber teams always figure out defense. They even figured it out last year. If they if Bruce can get this team to figure out defense in the COVID year with all those freshmen when we were in the midst of our worst season ever, we'll figure it out this year. I'm not at all worried about our ability to figure out defense. With offense, we just need to take the easy stuff. Uh, Bruce had the quote, I think, in his post-game press conference. Uh, he said, "Finish your lunch." <laughs> yeah, finish your lunch was the was the quote. Like, I kind of like that. It's kind of a Bruceism. <laughs> Just Bruceisms are so wonderful. Yeah, but I, I'm not ready to hit the alarm bells on this team uh, after a single game because this is a game. Honestly, last year, if we played the way that we did today, we lose. But they. They, they played not well in the first half, but the second half they got things figured out down the stretch. So they'll improve. Yeah. That's a, that's really all I would take is they will improve. They'll figure out a lot of things on defense. Because right now it, it seems like there's a couple for, – for as well as they seem to gel against Pitt State, there were a couple of moments where you could kind of see on defense they were like shrugging at one another like – that's they, they don't quite understand each other perfectly yet, which, yeah. <laughs> yeah, first game of the year, a lot of new guys, a lot of new faces. Uh, Bruce Weber's defensive scheme is famously very difficult to learn, but once you master it, it's ridiculous. So I, um, I'm not ready to hit the alarm bells, like I said before, but, I mean, I also would imagine Florida A&M, even though they still are not a high-level program, they're a, a low major program. They still are Division One, and Pitt State. You know they do have good athletes. They have guys like Magic Relliford. Uh, he's a really good athlete. But uh, Florida A and M, they're D one. They have D one athletes, and they have the one guy MJ Randolph, who's really good. 
and they're going to actually run some more complex offensive plays. Neither team in the next submission is going to reveal their hand. Yeah. Like, offensively, K-State ran a single set play the entire game. So, we I'm just, the defense, they saw a lot more set plays than they're probably used to uh, in game action. Maybe I'm making excuses for them that they don't deserve, but that's also me just being patient as a fan. I, I've grown up in the Bruce Weber era of basketball. I get some of the older people. Like, they grew up in the golden age of K-State basketball, and they're not as patient. But growing up in the Bruce Weber era, I've learned patience. (laughs) I've learned to give it time, because eventually rewards will reveal themselves, even if it takes multiple years, (laughs) but they will come. Um, So, the the defense will gel. Uh, They will learn their assignments. Uh, uh, The defensive issues they had tonight, it's a perfect opportunity to... Uh, learn from them and figure it out yeah so that pretty much sums up everything that we wanted to say for all sports really so uh that's pretty much it yeah i don't have anything else (laughs) all right so thank you all for listening to this episode of the aggieville alley cats if you want to reach out and contact the show we are at aggieville a cats on twitter that's capital a capital a and capital c in cats you want to reach out to us via email we are aggievillealleycats at gmail.com if you want to follow us on a more personal note i am at ac edward zero zero i am at connor Baltazor, capital c and capital b if you want to support the show financially we're always looking for sponsors but if you want to get something material for it you can go to the official aggieville alley cats merchandise store where you have such designs as play sandstorm cowards and neon alley cats we also now have crewnecks. Yes, and crewneck sweatshirts for all the designs except two. Yeah, uh, I think we made the crewnecks for the main designs. Neon Alley Cats, uh, Standard Alley Cats, and Play Sandstorm, I think. I think so, yeah. Play Sandstorm Cowards, I think, also has crewnecks. But that was our biggest uh, recommendation. Uh, we've listened to our our wonderful tens of fans. <laughs> <laughs> And <laughs> more than that, at barely. least at least a baker's dozen. At least a baker's dozen. <laughs> and and but yeah, we crewnecks are cool, so you should get one. I agree. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. We're come rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats. <laughs>